Now that he is gone and the spell is broken, the actual fear is greater. Memories and possibilities are ever more hideous than realities, such as the realities of what some filmmakers have done to the literary works of H.P. Lovecraft. Allow the cast of Cotillion to be your guide through the world of cinematic H.P. Lovecraft adaptations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm James McCormick. And I'm Jim Rohner. And today we'll be reviewing both sequels to Reanimator, 1989's Bride of Reanimator and 2003's Beyond Reanimator, both directed by Brian Usna. Um, where do we begin? <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a very good question. Because, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess let's begin with my biggest gripe about <laughs> Bride of Reanimator is that it's it's labeled H.P. Lovecraft's Bride of Reanimator. Yeah, uh, I don't remember him writing that story. No, Do I, you? I, I don't remember him <laughs> writing the story about how uh, a protagonist um, who was formerly associated with Herbert West cobbled together a bunch of body parts from different females to kind of um, relive a love through um, a relationship that he lost Previously, I don't recall that short story ever being written. No. In fairness, um, Bride of Reanimator uh, is still somewhat based in Herbert West Reanimator, the short story that H.P. Lovecraft wrote. Um, The three biggest elements that I can recall from watching, uh, I had watched it the other day. This was the first time I'd seen either Bride of Reanimator and Beyond Reanimator. And oh boy, you're in for uh, you're in for a treat with this double episode. Um, what, a, what, a, what a double feature for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I apologize to everybody if you watch both of these movies to, to in order just to listen to this episode. But um, I, I think it's... Uh, so there's three main elements that I could recall from Bride of Reanimary, which still kind of ties somewhat back to Herbert West. Um, the idea of, like, reptilian DNA kind of being introduced into the reagent, that's one. Um, the fact that both... Uh, Herbert West and Dan Kane, who is returning from the first one, they both serve in war to kind of help out. That was something that was in the original story where they both served in World War One. Right. Um, of course, because Herbert West wanted access to fresh corpses. Um, uh, and there's a there's another element that I'm actually kind of forgetting right now. Um, <laughs> well, there could be a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. It, it, but but. We we talked in the last episode about how there's a a, a Frankenstein element to reanimator it's kind of it's blatantly now i mean bride of reanimator is is a a ripoff of the title bride of frankenstein right and i mean and like you said it's it's eight months after reanimator and if you watch reanimator and then like right away watch bride of reanimator it'll confuse the shit out of you because you're like (laughs) oh okay so they're still friends but how did how did herbert west survive and then that it's kind of like almost brushed over. Oh, well, there was the big massacre at Miskatonic and all these body parts are everywhere. And then that doc, Dr. Graves, who was a new character that's introduced mm-hmm. that worked there, I guess, um, finds the reagent. But it's like if I remember correctly, was it all blamed on Dr. Hill? I can't recall. I, I know there is this thing they call it the the Miskatonic massacre. It seems like right. publicly it's blamed on Doctor Hill, but we have right. this this uh this um detective who seems really skeptical and is try and is trying to to pursue Herbert West and Dan Kane. Like he's he seems like he knows the real story because his what was it? His wife was one of yes. these victims, uh somehow. Or well, it's weird. Like was she a victim or what? Like because remember, it's it's not. I mean. West basically says you're the one that killed her. Like she had blunt trauma. Like oh she fell. Like no, oh, okay, well she had multiple hits to the head. Right, and and that's the thing because this detective whose wife was allegedly a, a victim of the Miskatonic massacre. I, I thought when they initially said that that it was she was one of the reanimated corpses during the climax of Reanimator, except right, which is Doctor Hill did that then. Right, so it, it, it was yeah, it was, right. it was Doctor Hill's fault. So I guess they're blaming it entirely on on Doctor Hill, who of course resurfaces um, as a <laughs> severed head um, later on as a a winged uh, a bat winged flying head, <laughs> which like without you know we'll, we'll get into the plot like we do, but is it just me or like after the first one and like this one, like Doctor Hill's almost like he's thrown in there as you know, okay, he's He's the adversary, but he's barely in it. Yeah, he he's. I and and I and I guess it was like I don't know. Was there something contractually obligated? Was I, I don't know because this is 
Um, Brian Yuzna directed both this one and Beyond Reanimator, as James said. Yeah. Brian Yuzna was a producer on the original Reanimator, um, and he has much more of an emphasis on the the gore and the effects, uh, and, oh, yeah. and that's because of what's his name, Screaming Screaming Scream, Mad Sc- Screaming Mad George. Who, if you know Screaming Mad George, um, he's actually a Japanese man oh. who has crazy looking like white hair. <laughs> Um, and I think he's one of the most brilliant special effects guys that doesn't get enough credit. Um, Jim and I before, like before and between episodes, um, we've spoken about, uh, his Brian Yuzna's first film, uh, Society. And that's, that's a hell of a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was funny cause I, my, just like how reanimator was my first exposure to HP Lovecraft. Society was my first exposure to Brian Yuzna. And it's to be clear, really fucking gross, but <laughs> In a way, which is sort of like that movie is satirical about like a a, a specific subset of eighties culture and how, um, you know, it it they are not incestuous literally, but like incestuous and feed upon each other and that sort of stuff. And it's a really gross, horrific film, but still a great one. And so I was like, oh, cool, Yasna must be this really great horror director. And then you see Bride of Reanimator and Beyond Reanimator, you're like, um, maybe he's not as great as well, I thought he was. Well, I'll go out on a limb and say Bride is definitely much better than Beyond Reanimator. Well, um, yeah. But that's 13 years between. And um, I have a soft spot for Brian Yuzna's films. Um, I, I actually liked, and it's funny that we it ties into the 1985 connection of horror, horror zombie films, but mm-hmm. he directed Return of the Living Dead 3, the third installment, which is actually a lot of fun, but deals with a woman that basically is like put together Mm. And she's a zombie woman, but that has mental capabilities. And um, he did Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, what? Initiation, <laughs> oh which has God. barely anything to do with the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. Mm-hmm. The first two, at least. Um, a favorite of mine are the Dentist films, because I actually personally hate dentists. And <laughs> a horror film starring Corbin Burnson as a killer dentist is a lot of fun. <laughs> Um, and the film he made before Beyond Reanimator was Faust, Love of the Damned, which is a, um, adaptation of, I mean, most people think, oh, it's Faust, the very classic literary tale. No, this is based more on Faust, the comic book anti-hero that was, like, popular in, like, the 90s. Hmm. Um, and he also made a, um, anthology film. He directed a few of the segments called Necronomicon, which will probably be a film we cover Mm -hmm. later on, but it's like the first, one of the first things that um, Christophe Gans, hard director from France, made. Mm -hmm. Like, he he helped with it, and Jeffrey Combs is in that. If I remember correctly, Jeffrey Combs might play, he might play H.P. Lovecraft in that. I don't know why I remember that. I have a vague recollection of that as well. And also, um, Christopher Gans seemed to have uh, disappeared from public consciousness. I still really like his Silent Hill adaptation. Yeah, no, I, I, you know what? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we actually agree with that. Oh yeah, by the way, Jeffrey Combs does play H.P. Lovecraft in, in that Necronomicon yeah, movie. Okay. So, so he's played both H.P. Lovecraft and Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> right. um, what we have yet, to see, what we have yet to see is a, um, a. Well, I guess we don't do straight to video anymore. Straight to streaming service um film in which uh jeffrey combs as edgar Allan poe battles to the death jeffrey combs as hp lovecraft in a oh. twisted freddy versus jason uh c movie knockoff i would i would love that or if somehow they could do a hp lovecraft edgar Allan poe odd couple sitcom <laughs> i you know what i would watch both of those before i rewatched yes. um bride of reanimator or beyond reanimator again um of course yeah Jeffrey Combs returns as Herbert West in Bride. Um, Bruce Abbott returns as Dan Kane. Not returning is director Stuart Gordon. Of course, as we mentioned, Brian Yuzna uh, steps into the director's chair. And also not returning, um, despite the fact that we were led to believe that she had been reanimated at the end, either Megan Halsey's character or Barbara Crompton, uh, Crampton as an actress either. We have a a new love interest let's call it love interest because once again this continues the theme of like hey here's a very shallow female character that just kind of exists to basically react to whatever the man is doing um the character's name is francesca Danelli, played by um fabiana udenio um and also maybe kind of and or gloria played by kathleen kinmont who becomes the titular bride 
much later in the film. Right, which which is weird, but we'll get into that. And Fabiana Udenio, um, most people will probably know her from uh, Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery as a lot of vagina. <laughs> oh, jeez. That, yeah, that's why I'm like, when I was rewatching, I'm like, wow. I'm like, and she's a beautiful woman, but I'm like, why does she look so familiar? I had, of course, me, I have to IMDb it. And I'm like, mm. that's why, because I had recently rewatched Austin Powers for some reason <laughs> after like 10 years. I was All like, right. let me watch. And um, yeah, but it, it's a very weird, this is a very weird film because Dan is still not over Meg yeah. dying, mm-hmm. which is fine. Sure. So Herbert, so Herbert West, you know, as a gift, has her heart. <laughs> and he's like, let's put a body together. Yep. And use the heart so Meg will come back. Yeah. But Dan's a fucking idiot because mm-hmm. he has this beautiful Italian woman mm-hmm. that wants to be with him. Yeah. And he's with her. He does be with her. But ultimately, he still wants Meg. And But by the end, you know, it's something different. But but he has like three women in this film. The heart, Francesca, and Moza Gloria. Gloria, or? yeah. And and that's a we- that's weird too. Like like Dan just can't decide. Well, listen, and you know, we can all relate to the idea of wanting to take the heart of someone we lost and stick in the body of another oh. person and reanimate that dead corpse and and re- relive a love that we that we lost. We can all relate to that. That's universal. Um but, of course. But then this is and listen, there's not going to be a whole lot of discussion on if these are faithful adaptations because Beyond <laughs> is not and Bride it, it's yeah. it, it sucks. It's barely, yeah, barely. I mean, Bride I like, but yeah, Beyond I think sucks. But well, like this yeah. this one has like you like you said, elements of like mm-hmm. parts of the story with the war which is very it's only like what 10 minutes of the film. So it, Not even. It's it's the opening right? when we when we're reintroduced to the characters as they're fighting in war and then they come back uh, uh yeah and, and there's some skepticism because like oh why does this doctor have a a, a gun in this medical tent well because he's trying to put down someone that he reanimated but um in, in this is I, i'm reminded as well of the third element which kind of ties this back into reanimator because we do have the return of dr carl hill as mm-hmm. once again he will eventually become a he will his severed head pokemon will evolve into a severed head with with bat wings um their their house is now set up on the uh when they get back to the to the states um west and D- and I keep wanting to call him Dean Kane. Dean Kane. I know it's so it is close, I know. Um uh Bruce west Abbott. <laughs> Yeah, west west and Kane kind of set up a house at the edge of uh, of Christchurch Cemetery, which that's directly from the short story that they had a, a house near the edge of the cemetery and it is right. in its underground basement there is kind of a connection to some type of underground entombment in the film. It's um it's actually they they share a brick wall with the tomb. Um, in the in the short story, I believe it's just um, they share kind of a wall with an underground tunnel, which can get them to the cemetery where they can get their fresh bodies. And that is also the the wall, of course, that uh, the reanimated corpses um, emerge out of to tear Herbert West apart in the short story. That um, did not happen at the end of Reanimator. Obviously, that does not. It kind of happens at the end of this one in the sense of there's all sorts of horrific creations, which is one of the bright spots, the 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 physical, the practical effects in this, thanks to Screaming Mad George. Um, so there's a little bit that ties back into it, but to call it H.P. Lovecraft's Bride of Reanimator, um, come on, guys. Uh, I, I mean, and this is something that I, I, I kind of went back and forth about because, as we said with Reanimator, Lovecraft didn't care for the story or stories himself, so I kind of wonder... If we had him back, let's say if we put a, re-an- uh, a reagent into H.P. Lovecraft's body and sat him <laughs> down to watch, I wonder if he would kind of be like, listen, who gives a shit? I don't care. Do whatever. <laughs> whatever. You know, it's not a good adaptation, but also I I hated the story, so who cares? Yeah, I mean, right. It's a, it's it's like a it's like a trashy sequel that, uh, you know, and, and pro- probably Lovecraft would have probably wrote something. Not, not this, of course, but he probably would have been like, if he had to write a sequel to it, it would have been something that would have been a little more intellectual, of course. But I think it would have just been like, eh, whatever. Here's here's <laughs> yeah. more of this story. Just go on, please. Just give me, <laughs> give him my five dollars for each chapter, please. Like, <laughs> yeah, we we could still fool him by just giving him five dollars. Um, yeah. <laughs> but and and Bride, so Bride, as we kind of said, the the two main plot threads here are one, Dan is still kind of pining for Meg, and so. 
Uh, he wants to kind of get her back and in some kind of sense. Or, or he's kind of reliving relationships which kind of try and fill that hole. But then on the other hand, we do have this detective who is who seems skeptical that the Miskatonic Massacre actually played out as it is and, and wants to pin it on Herbert West. So we have that as well. And I got to be honest with you, the entire subplot with the detective annoyed the shit out of me because as in the actor was really annoying to me. Um, that whole subplot was just kind of like, what What gives this, this is going to sound incredibly weird, but what gives this detective the right to kind of go rogue and investigate this? Like, it's sort of, it, it's sort of a repeat of that first one. Like, I'm not on board with Herbert West, but I hate this guy more. Again, see, it, it, that's what they do. They find these characters that are just so deplorable or just like an asshole that you go, well, I got to cheer for Herbert West then. Yeah, and, and, and it seems like, so West, in order to, to, get Dan on board with continuing because it seems like his experiments are getting more and more absurd in the sense of like he's trying to he pieces together like a, a foot in a hand which yeah like the with the fingers and like like yeah like, like the fingers with the eyeball yeah thing like yeah I mean I kind of like that stuff it's funny like but yeah it, it's it's really there just to showcase like screw Mad George's special effects yeah and, and and I guess in one way it's sort of reemphasizes this this idea that West had which is like we're we're just we're all just reanimated things so to kind right. of have these horrific creations like sort of kind of make sense but then also seems to contradict the idea that was set up in the first one of like where the will of the of the body is like is it stored in the mind or is it elsewhere like not that it contradicts but it's sort of like hey that whole thing that we kind of talked about in the first one ah fuck it let's get rid of it <laughs> yeah i mean and like you said, the detective, like, I, I know, I, I've seen that actor and other stuff, but he's just all, like, it's just like, I don't care. Like, like, <laughs> why? Like, I would have rather have more parts with Hill trying to come back, you know, and like, forming himself again or something. I don't know, like, you bring him back just for a little glimpse, but then, then he basically becomes the poor man's, you know, Dean Halsey. He, he basically does, and, and it's you can clearly see they have more budget in this one. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, so it, it's a little bit cleaner with what they try and do with like the severed head stuff of like Doctor Hill talking, um, and influencing Doctor Graves, uh, and so you could do something kind of cool with that, maybe. But instead, they kind of have it divided between Dan really, really still pining after Megan. So Herbert West thinks it's a good idea of like, hey, why don't we remake her? basically right um and and so then you you do have that uh that once again that blatant kind of frankenstein thing like we have it's what is it it's sort of like we have the feet of a ballerina and then we have the virginal womb of someone else and we have yeah uh the heart of it and it's just like oh, oh like none of, this is not how any of this works no it's like and, and like the whole concept is you know it's always been in like the spinal like the top of the spinal mm -hmm. column to inject Okay, fine. But now Herbert West wants to try the heart because then it'll pump the blood throughout the veins mm -hmm. and it might work better. And then I, I like Dan goes, well, you've never tried that before. He's like, yeah, no, I haven't. <laughs> like, and I kind of like that. And ultimately, that's why the detective comes into play. Like, well, let's. But it's the same shit. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like, like, you know what I mean? Like, well. Maybe not the same. Like, like the detective does speak a bit throughout. You know what I mean? But not much. But he's a little bit more than other people that when they've been given the reagent. Well, in in a weird way, I think the detective character is maybe supposed to be a voice of morality because we have to assume if Dan is still on board with everything that Herbert West is doing, and in fact gives into this idea of like sure let's create my ex-lover out of uh, uh a motley array of severed body parts then clearly his soul is basically gone and i guess the detective right. is supposed to be this guy that's sort of like hey reminder all the shit you did that caused the miskatonic massacre this is all bad except we know that and he's not really adding anything to it other than just kind of this narrative device of like let's yeah let's get to a point where there's this army of reanimated dead people at the end just kind of like once again they're they're trapped inside of a room and they're trying to it's i i don't understand what he's what he's doing and like i said the actor to me is kind of very annoying and it just kind of this was one of my complaints with the first one of 
This one sort of starts leaning hard into, and Beyond Reanimator will just like fall way in the deep end of like, let's play up the comedy stuff, guys. We got we got physical gags and jokes for days here. Yeah, I mean, here, here it's a little. This is a little side note, but um, have you ever have you ever seen the film Frankenhooker? I, I did not even know it existed until right now when you said that. Okay, no, no, Frankenhooker is directed, written and directed by Frank Henenlotter, who made the uh, Basket Case films and Brain Damage. Like, mm-hmm. he's a very New York, very New York director, and, like, he made a lot of, like, low-budget horror films, and it's a weird connection, again, like how Reanimator was made the same year as other zombie films that had dark comedy. Frankenhooker came out the same year, as Bride of Reanimator. <laughs> and it's very much, it's a, a medical student that drops out named Jeffrey Franken, who his girlfriend dies, but he puts her, basically takes her head and puts her back together with prostitute body parts mm-hmm. to make the Frankenhooker. What's funny is, I think Frankenhooker works a million times better as a horror comedy and as a bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein mashup. And it's just weird. I don't know why I just thought of that. I'm like, wait, what is it with the reanimator films always coming out the same year as something sort of similar, or at least like, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause Frank and was a beautiful woman. That's all put together, you know, Oh, the breasts of this one. And like mm-hmm. the vagina of another one. It's like, okay. Like, but I don't think Beyond Reanimator had anything to do with anything else. But that's that's later. But I think I, I think I'm sidetracked because like Bride of Reanimator is just I want I I wanted to like it more even when it came out. Like I I had so like the story I was trying to like I was going to tell you earlier. There was a DVD that came out mm-hmm. and it was like a big deal. It was worth a lot of money and I found it for really cheap. And it was a widescreen version of this film. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is a time when DVDs had full screen, which I still I still it hurts my head that people wanted full screen movies. <laughs> but but here's the thing. Um, the widescreen. And if anyone ha- like knows this, like they'll know what I'm talking about. I remember getting it. I was so excited. I was like, I'm putting it on. And it was a widescreen movie. But. It was the full screen version that they just put black bars <laughs> on the bottom and the top. Uh-huh. So you got less of the film that, you know, so there were certain scenes that I'm like, have been rewatching for this episode that I'm like, oh, wow. They like, because they cut out so much from the top and the bottom, they cut out a lot of the Scream Mad George Gore stuff. Yeah. Especially like the climactic, you know, with, which is a very similar climax to the first one. It's almost like a retread only with this bride of frankenstein story thrown in there 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 is it is almost sort of like a uh evil dead 2 version of of a of yeah. reanimator that's a that's a great that's a great comparison only evil dead 2 is much much better <laughs> well <laughs> agreed um and, and yeah because in, in a sense like the the journey that dan kane goes on in the first one if you could even consider him going through any type of narrative arc whatsoever he basically just repeats it in this one um only the revelation at the end that he has um, is, I guess, supposed to be hopeful where he finally admits, oh, this isn't Megan. I need to right. I, I need to destroy this thing that I've created, which like, hey, cool. We could have told you that like an hour and 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, and again, like we were alluding to in the last episode, I think, you know, Bruce Abbott does a fine job. And in this one, he's, you know, he has more to play with. You know, he has mm-hmm. I, not. And again, it's not really an arc, like you said, it's, it's kind of like. Oh, I, I pined for my, the the girl I could not, and then and then Gloria, she also dies, like she's a what is she a cancer patient? I, something like that. I, it'd be, because right. I know when we first see her, her she's she's got very white like flesh skin, and she just doesn't right. seem very. But it's something like that, I think. Right, and and he can't save her either, mm-hmm. and it's and he has a thing where he, he just wants to save everybody, which you know it's admirable. It's 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 fine, but it's like you. Like you, you want Meg, then you you feel for this woman Gloria, but then you have Francesca, who is a living woman that wants to be with you. <laughs> um, out of the three, just choose the living woman. Like, yeah, why? Like, I don't know. It just maybe that's just me. 
I, I don't think you're alone in wanting to be with a, a living, breathing woman who <laughs> loves you and, and accepts you for who you are right. um, versus the, the reanimated jigsaw puzzle. But it's and it's OK, because once again, as we kind of said, like we continue with sort of um, uh, objectification of women in this film. Oh, literally, quite literally, because the women are it is, you know, Gloria eventually becomes a, an object of just a bunch of pieces kind of put together. And it's what I what I'm sad about is because horror is such a good genre when it comes to exploring um, and analyzing sort of hypocrisy within like human behavior and society. And so you could have the story, which is sort of like, hey, Bride of Frankenstein, this idea of, uh, of of objectification of women, of like who is our ideal kind of person, like as a man, what are we as you know as a gender, what are we sort of hoping for, looking for, and, and sort of how you know that ultimately falls apart and rings false when it's kind of like you know uh, as you said, overlooking what you have right in front of you for trying for for pursuing this self destructive goal of like I need I need perfect and I need ideal, but the film doesn't do that so much as more kind of concerns like hey look at how fucking cool this reanimated body part is and you know i i guess if i'm going to give it credit the um the laboratory that they had kind of set up before we have like the you know glorious head and just kind of a bunch of separate body parts are putting together yeah really really cool like oh it all that's like and that's the thing this is like a film that like we we've we've talked about before where the gore and like the special effects and like the bodies and all that stuff by you know Scream Mad George, it's it's the only selling point to me like of this film, like like and, and Herbert West. I mean like like Jeffrey Combs does so much with you know like with what what he has you know, but that's just because I love Jeffrey Combs so much. But really, it's just like I had told you the the first time in a while trying to rewatch this film with my girlfriend and. We both tuned out, and even she was surprised that I tuned out because usually I have like a very high tolerance for bad films, worse films, whatever. And but then rewatching it, I did enjoy it more than I thought I was. But it is diminishing returns, you know. Mm -hmm. It is like okay, you know, like like we were saying, like Reanimator, whatever you want to feel about it, but you know, it's up here. Then Bride goes down a lot, and then we're we're gonna. Yeah, I, I don't want to. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get into that later. Yeah, but because because it's certainly. I mean, and I I will kind of say as a as a film as a horror film, I actually think that Beyond Reanimator is a bit better than um or not Beyond. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that was a big mistake. Um, yeah, a lot of people were like, "What is he talking about?" <laughs> I actually kind of as a a film as a visceral experience, I like bride a bit more than actual reanimator and and that okay. isn't that's entirely due i'm sure to budget and, and because of what scream and mad george was doing because right. when we first kind of see that assembled body what i was reminded of was you see this exact same setup in every haunted house around halloween if you go to blood manor here in new york or you're going to somewhere out in like the suburbs or like a rural area like that that like operating table with the different body parts and like the crazy like the you know the mad scientist, which is not something that Lovecraft created, admittedly, but like you see that same kind of thing in like every kind of and and it kind of put me back in the sense of like oh yeah, this feels like Halloween, this feels like kind of creepy and like I I I feel like I'm in on a, a secret here that I shouldn't be a part of, and I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, like that stuff. The aesthetic is good. The the set design for that and like like the body parts and I think when they're like. One 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 scene I enjoy a lot is when, you know, Herbert and Dan are just like, you know, putting like that weird like like um I don't know what that material is over each like it's like uh, skin grafting basically like, they're kind of putting skin it grafting like, like bandage yeah and like when the one vein is going and then like it starts gushing out blood and but it's Dan that goes oh Herbert. Like Herbert was like so in a moment of something else mm -hmm. that he didn't even notice. Like he's like, what? Oh, whatever. You know, it's just some blood. <laughs> yeah. And then we kind of get, and then that, and like, but then like we were talking about how this is a special effect, a special effects, you know, smorgasbord of, yeah. of sorts. Like, and it's like it's screaming Mad George, like working with Brian Usna in Society, which again that also is very much. Oh yeah. Like like especially the whole shunting, which. 
If you've ever seen Society, I'm not going to ruin it for you. <laughs> I'm just going to say the shunting, and if you know it, you're probably laughing your ass off. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen you, what the hell is he talking about? It you go watch that one. Seek like, it, yeah, seek out Society. Please seek it out. But um, we might. Hey, who knows? We might even cover that one one day. We'll we'll see. Perhaps we'll, you never know. You never know. But the scene that like it's it's I guess you know quote unquote supposed to be funny, but then I don't know if it is because. When Gloria is dying and he's like, not again, I can't have another, you know, person that I care about die or whatever, whatever he's alluding to. But Herbert's trying to take Herbert's actually trying to help in that scene in in his own way. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's try to open her up because to try to get the heart going. And then and he's the one that has to call it like he's like, I'm calling it. And he and Dan, of course, you know, is very passionate. He's like, no. And. Herbert's just like is standing there, with, but like, it's all blood. Like you know, Dan's face got gushed on by her own blood. I don't know if that was intended to be funny. Like, like it's supposed to be an emotional scene, but like then they throw in like copious amounts of blood, and it's like that. Usually, like I said, I told you, usually that stuff will make me go, <laughs> I'll chuckle. I was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, and and once again, it, it's it sort of continues that problem that we had in in Reanimator, mm-hmm. where it's sort of like. Well, not even, yeah, and, and, and I think it's actually, once again, kind of leaning more into it, especially when we bring back uh, Dr. Carl Hill and his interactions with Dr. Graves and how Graves is sort of like this blubbering, like, wimp who is basically, like, um, cowering to the whims of a severed head that they found um, in a carnival shide show, I believe is what they say. Right. Um, and, and then, and, and how he, um, uh, yeah, and, and then, you know, Dr. Carl Hill comes back and he's once again trying to reanimate legions of dead people for reasons. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be... I, again, reasons. Yeah. It, like like the first one, reasons. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think in the first one he alluded to something about um, not taking over the world per se, but sort of like a, as controlling like an army, basically. It was like, okay, cool, you're still a head in a jar. Right, like... Well, actually, the first one even has that line about like, yeah, you're nothing more than a like a like in a sideshow. Oh yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. a head. Like yeah. he's gonna believe you. You're you're nothing more than like a person at a sideshow. Yeah, I, I believe. Does he tell him to get a job or something like that? Yeah, get, yeah, get a job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just. And so this one sort of continues that that right. kind of bumblefuckery of, of these reanimated uh, corpses, especially at the end when it's supposed to be this. Um, this terrifying moment of like everyone is right outside the door and they're trying to break in, but it's also like the the reanimated corpse of the detective is trying to defend himself from his his wife who is trying to kind of um, yeah. beat him with a with a cane and uh, and and then and we have a cat fight going on in which this reanimated female Frankenstein is having a physical fight with uh, Francesca's character. Just like what? Come on, guys! Like this is just it's it's. It's a. It, it has much more of a feel of throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks than uh, Reanimator did. Yeah, and like, but I I do appreciate the uh, what is it the um, what is he called tissue rejection? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that I mean, when when she pulls out her own heart, like, <laughs> is this what you want? I like that because it's like her just like giving up. You know, she's back and she does have sentience. She does know. Mm-hmm. But is it Gloria, or is it Meg, or is it a combination? Well, and in, in at the end of the day, like, who gives a shit? Because we we don't feel right. right. We, because once again, despite the fact that this is our second film with Dan, he's still basically the the blank slate he was in the first one. Yeah, he just has better hair in this one. <laughs> he does, he's got a glorious and, 80, and, and he's ripped, and he's ripped as hell. He bulked up in this one. He's like, <laughs> I got to show off these abs, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, because it's like we're we're supposed to have this connection, or we're supposed to understand or relate to Dan's emotional trauma, and that he wants to bring back his his girlfriend from the dead. Except that's so fucking crazy that it's like, well, this 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 emotional moment is 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 falling flat, and basically it is just a showcase for Screaming Mad George's um, practical effects, which admittedly, once again, once the body starts collapsing and it's a tissue rejection, oh, is it's... really cool. It's amazing, like the bo- the the head is like pulling off to the spine, and and you go, wow, this is fantastic stuff. And like even the um even like the other body, you know, the other reanimated corpses, like that one that's like two sides. 
Oh yeah, that's right. A woman and a man that's like mm-hmm. twist around to try to attack Francesca. I'm like, that looks really like that, and that's a simple effect, but it looks really cool. Yeah, and and there was even like it's sort of like there was a a guy's head which just had like two kind of oh. feet attached to the side of it. Yeah, and it's again, when I saw that again, I just started chuckling, thinking of society. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very goopy, very like body body um body horror mm-hmm. stuff, which which. Which Scream Mad George does amazingly well. Like he does body horror. Like he, I mean, he directed the one film he actually directed was um, based on the Japanese um, anime Giver, the Giver. Okay. Which is like kind of like an action, more of an action film, but that has some cool like prosthetic stuff in that too. Even in even in like a sci-fi action film, he throws in like the body horror stuff. And actually, funny enough, if I remember correctly. I think David Gale is in that. He's the he's the villainous sign like like yeah, I think he's the villain in that. So it's kind of funny that he's in that as well. <laughs> he like he liked working with that group of people, I guess, you know. Well, and then and then also, I mean, we talk about how cool some of these effects are and then it it's it's kind of um well, and you're right according to IMDb, um mm-hmm. David Gale is known for Reanimator, yeah. Bride of Reanimator, The Giver. But uh, but then and then of course while I'm admiring these practical effects, all of a sudden we have this horrendously green screened uh, flying head because they attach bat wings to Doctor Hill for some reason. For, for, because be, I know, like I actually had forgot because I I remembered that like you know that is you know that look like because mm-hmm. and I'm like how did I how did he get the bat wings again? I'm like oh because Doctor Graves was using the reagent on a dead bat yes. and then he cuts then he cuts the wings off mm-hmm. and then he has the detective force graves to attach the bat wings to the sides of his face yep that makes sense right that's science yeah right? no j- just just like love lovecraft wrote <laughs> um, i know that's the uncut one you know but then, so. but then of course we're overlooking the greatest effect which was um when when uh Francesca's dog is reanimated and a dog that had one of its legs thrown off because oh. the detective swung the dog around his head. Yes. And West re reattaches a human hand to it because now he's he's kind of experimenting interspecies well, or interbody part, and it's clearly just a guy whose hand is poking out from underneath this well, dog. Well, here's here's the here's the thing. It's actually a little more clever. Okay. That's the that's the detective's arm that he cut off. Oh yes, that's right. Which is actually kind of funny that he attaches the arm to the guy. Like, like, like I got it. Like, I mean, it's it. Like you said, it is just a guy putting his arm <laughs> underneath a dog. When they do show like the the long shot of the dog all reanimated, like barking, it is creepy looking. Mm-hmm. Like that is like really gross. Well, I, I mean, the, is it um uh the seventies version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers where it's oh. the dog that has a human face? That's one of my favorite scenes in a film ever like because it's it's simple it's just a mask yeah and like it looks kind of cheap but it also looks unsettling because of how unnatural it actually looks because it barks and like its tongue comes out of like the slit yeah and it's like oh god (laughs) but yeah but uh yeah i mean like again if 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 anyone that's listening to this that is a fan of bride of reanimator you you can tell where we're kind of at we are we're talking more about the special effects in a high point than mostly anything else. Yeah. And there's a big reason for that, you know, but, and, but I can say that's a lot more credit than we'll give to a uh, beyond reanimator from 2003, uh, which once again, Brian Yesna comes back as the director and screaming man. George comes back too. He, yeah, he does. Um, but written by, um, uh, two, um, two Spanish writers, I believe. Oh, wow. There's a lot of writing credits on this actually, but, um, Jose, Man- uh, Jose Manuel Gomez and Xavier, uh, Barando, I believe are the two, um, the two credit writers along with Miguel Tejada Flores and then Brian Yuzna. But this is supposed to be happening, what, 13 years after, um, Bride of Reanimator in which, um, uh, right. I was about to say Lovecraft, um, Herbert West is thrown in prison, uh, because he is, um, uh, of course held responsible for this latest massacre. Um, but only after a young child uh, witnesses a reanimated corpse um, murder his sister in the kitchen. Right. And and rather than send this this child into years of post-traumatic stress therapy, inspires him to become a doctor, I guess. Of course. I mean, 
going into that scene, um, I'll, I'll say again, Scre- Screaming Mad George does an amazing job of like the zombie with the you know the like the, hanging the mouth jaw like, the hanging off, yeah, yeah, but drinking the milk, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> um, you know that 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 you got to drink that milk. Um, but it looked that looked cool. That was, I mean, it's a good opening, but is it a good opening for a quote unquote reanimator film? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like to me a stereotype of a lot of horror films where let's just get that first kill scene or whatever just to showcase like okay this is and then then it's like years later mm, yeah and, and, and then it slows down again and you're like no like and the funny thing about this movie is that i remember when it was announced and you know being being a fan of you know herbert west and you know jeffrey combs depiction and being a fan of brian Usna, you know and going oh cool a new a new reanimate film you know could be good and then hearing that it was coming out first on the sci-fi channel yep and i remember watching that version because i was like well i want to i want to see it but i'm i knew as a horror fan that it was going to be cut to shit yes and it really is like it's a pg tv pg version wow and then when it came out i was working sorry yeah actually this is around the time i was working at blockbuster and i made it a point to rent but it was a free rental luckily Mm -hmm. of this film and I watched it with one of my good friends, Tommy, who was still good friends. And both of us, after the film ended, you know, going like, what the hell was that? <laughs> like, it, it almost feels like a zombie film in a prison that then they either got in touch with Brian Musna to use the reanimator. It does. I don't know. Like, and it's very weird, too, because like. Is it just me or is it every single one of, you know, you have the first two, it's Dan, and this one, it's Howard. Howard, yeah. Uh, yeah. Get it? Hey, we, we got jokes for days, guys, because our, we have Dr. Howard Phillips. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Um, it, yeah, and I, I do wonder if it was a script written for someone for something else that they put a, a reanimator twist on or whether this is always intended. They called it Beyond Reanimator because it goes well past... Um, any type of source material or 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 um or fidelity to anything that Lovecraft may have intended, we do bring back uh, Jeffrey Combs as Doctor Herbert West, who's sort of a a prison, you know, he's a prisoner in. They say that it's in a that it's in um uh, Arkham, even though clearly based on the architecture, the citizens, right. the extras, and all the uh the the vehicles, this is clearly a European production. It was all done in Spain. Uh, so we have Doctor Howard Phillips, who was the young boy grown up who purposely sought out Herbert West. Right. Um, he wanted to become a doctor in this facility so that he could work closely with Dr. Herbert West. That actor's name is Jason Barry, who you may recognize as Tommy from a uh, Titanic, uh, 1997. Um, he's the Irish fellow that is friends with, um, with Jack oh my- and Patricio. Yes, that is very okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I was wondering why he looked familiar, but that's and I didn't look him up, but that's uh, okay. Yeah. So so he was in a big film, and then he was in uh, Beyond Reanimator. Yeah, and man, man, it goes to show you how good directors work with actors because as a supporting character, Tommy in Titanic, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah. He's fucking terrible in this movie. He is, and 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 it's weird. Like like, okay, so Herbert West, you know, he, Dan Dan, you know. Han, you know, Bruce Abbott is a handsome man, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that he would have like a lot of sexual relationship with beautiful women. Mm-hmm. But I find it com, and I'm not saying Jason Barry is ugly. He's not. No, he's a normal looking guy. You sure. know, but but is it just me? Like like all of a sudden, like the reporter woman just want, and then they do have sex right away. It's they're introduced to each other, and I guess it's because, hey, you breathe oxygen and you're not a prisoner, let's sleep together. Right, you're not, you're not the warden who's a sleazebag. Straight up sleazebag. And, and that reporter, uh, Laura Olney, who is doing, um, I guess she's trying to do a story, an inside scoop story on um, on Lovecraft, on the conditions in this, pri- uh, Lovecraft, I'm sorry, on Herbert West, on the conditions of this prison, so she's trying to cozy up to the warden to kind of get close to him. The actress is Elsa Pataki, which, uh, if she looks familiar to you, James, or to you yes. listeners, that's because she played Elena mm-hmm. in the Fast and the Furious franchise. She's kind of um, Dominic yeah. Toretto's uh, replacement girlfriend while we wait for Michelle Rodriguez to come back, basically. I thought she was all right. I mean, I like those films. And she was also in Snakes on a Plane and uh, the awful, awful, awful Dario Argento film, Giallo. 
yeah. I mean, she she does do well in those those Fast and Furious movies and does establish in those. And I credit this to maybe the directors, but also Vin Diesel is actually a good actor. I think. I, I'll, I'll yeah. I'm not gonna disagree with that. Like he gets a lot of f- flack, but I mean, I I you know what? I enjoy his acting. You know, and also I say, watch the movie Find Me Guilty. Oh yes, and you and you'll you'll see Vin Diesel actually acting the shit out of something. Like no. he's really good in that. But he's, he's great in that. He's great in Saving Private Ryan, albeit oh, yeah. it's a small part. And also he got the part in Saving Private Ryan because he wrote and directed and starred in a short of, of, of himself, basically. Yeah. As sort of like a, a reel he could pass around. I forget the name of it, unfortunately, but it's also he's very good in that. Yeah, he's also really good in that Street Sharks um, commercial that he did back in the day for Street Sharks toys. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they look at, look that up, folks. But uh... <laughs> well, but this is this is all a roundabout way of saying when we have Elsa Pataki <laughs> with Vin Diesel, you know, you, and and having a good director, you kind of get an emotional rapport, basically, and sort of some right. type of connection. You have her with Jason Barry, and the performances are terrible. The connection is terrible. Once again. This is supposed to establish an emotional core of this movie. We're supposed to care about what happens to her. We're supposed to care about him basically kind of risking his life to 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 make her safe. And it's just like it's it's all it's just it's all so bad. It's all well, so it, terrible. It also makes less sense from to me from any storytelling perspective because he, you know, like we said, he was a 13-year-old kid or whatever or whatever how old he was. Mm-hmm when he saw his sister get killed by this zombified thing that Herbert West fucking created. (laughs) He knows about Herbert West. Mm -hmm. He knows about his experiments, yet he wants to work with him. At first, when I first saw this film, and I was watching it play along, I thought maybe, in his mind, he wanted to bring back his sister. Yeah. And maybe his sister's been on ice for 13 years. That would have made more sense. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's just like, I really want to work with him because he's brilliant. Yeah, the fact that that this seems to this film seems to ignore trauma entirely and just kind of like, oh no, this horrific thing I saw, it didn't scar me. This inspired me is so preposterous. Um, and um, once again, kind of, I don't know. It's weird because this film, in a way, kind of achieves what I think the first two didn't. Is that it does successfully kind of put Herbert West as a side character and puts it does a, a plot between um, some main characters more at the focus. The only problem is those actors are terrible. The plot is awful, and the emotional connection doesn't exist because they can't <laughs> they can't even lift up this incredibly subpar material, which is basically I don't know. The, the theme seems to be this idea of like going for it which is weird um, right right yeah go for it yeah go for it which I, I guess sort of like um you know it's kind of cute because like oh i you know when they when they have their meet cute and they have their date it's like you know he kisses her because she's like go for it but then that seems to inspire her to try and sleep with the warden to get inside secrets i i, I don't know it's it's all very weird and once again the comic elements specifically when it comes to our supporting characters the 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 inmate Speedball, who is a, a drug junkie, so he ends up injecting himself with a reagent at the end. It's just like, it's it's like, hey, we got jokes for days, but what we don't have is a brain or a heart. Yeah, Speedball, played by Santiago Segura, and the reason why I know him is because he's in Blade 2. He's the Russian vampire that, like, he lets live in the beginning. Okay. And then at the end, kills him <laughs> at, at, the, at the strip club. Mm. And I'm like, and he always looks the same. Mm-hmm. Because he has a good look, you know, for like a sleazy criminal. But yeah, but see, see, that dealt with the whole injecting of something later on, Mm -hmm. which I thought they would have done more with. But it's almost so like it's like it's bad comedy. It's it's really bad comedy. And and here's the thing, because we could shit on how terrible this movie is all day. I'll be honest, my biggest crime uh, or or the biggest crime of Beyond Reanimer to me is it's boring. Like, yes. There's a, you know, there's a, obviously this huge climax at the end where all the inmates are, are, are released, and so there's, you know, zombified, you know, people kind of walking around. But, like, it's, the yeah. for the most part, the only new thing this film adds is this element of nanoplasma, which I guess is supposed oh. to be, yeah, yeah. Th- this idea of, like, this is where the will of someone 
comes in or a living creature kind of comes in. So you inject, you know, the nanoplasma of a rat into another rat, then it takes on the personality of that rat. So when we start doing that interspecies and you inject the rat nanoplasma into the warden, the warden starts acting like a rat. And then when you do it with the warden into the girl, then the girl starts acting like the warden. And like, that's the only thing that it really adds and it's bad, but everything else is just nothing happens in this movie. Right. And, and yet like, like that's a cool like idea, but it's maybe it's better idea on paper or maybe it would have been a better idea with a better writer and director. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, like I said, I like Brian Usna. I think he's a capable director, but it's weird when like you go back to a franchise that, yeah, you, know, you did you, you, the bride of reanimated was, you know, it's like uh, not as big of a hit as the first, but it made money. Especially mm-hmm. on video. Yep. This one, like, yeah, it it's just a weird, and it's weird. I actually, you know, going before when I was talking about, um, maybe this was a script that they'd written and then got. That's probably not true because this is a um, a Fantastic Factory production, and okay. Fantastic Factory was, um, the company that um, Brian Usna and um, um, Julio Fernandez created okay and he want and, and you know basically yuzna wanted to produce you know modestly budgeted genre films like horror sci-fi fantasy to the international market shot in english and then using genre talent from all around the world and develop and to develop local talent so you know most of his films from fa- you know from faust from 2001 on but also dagon is one of those films which makes sense when you watch that film, it's very a lot a very Spanish heavy cast. Um, but then like, so it's the, it actually makes it worse because of that. Like that, someone actually like, I dream I dream that they would have Bride of Reanimator wasn't originally going to be that sequel. It was going to be actually loosely what they had wanted to make the fourth film, House of Reanimator, which would have been Dan trying to bring back Meg himself. Okay. But then the government coming to him and basically kidnapping him to bring back the president who had died. <laughs> and then and, and then him going, well, I need the help of my quote-unquote mentor or whatever, Herbert West, and then all hell breaks loose. That, to me, sounds like a more interesting film. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like, politics mixed with reanimator. Like, you know, the president being a zombie, like, going crazy on tv like at least i could see some like i mean hell it's like kind of like what we see every day on fucking tv now so you know it's relevant you know but i it just i don't know it this is a film that just it hurts it hurts me because like it like you said it's boring and when a when a film is boring to me that's worse than a bad film Oh, it's it's like it, it's a bit. It's the biggest crime uh, yes. of a, to be a boring film, basically. Like Bride of Reanimator is not boring, really. Like like it's not good, but it moves along at a you know decent pace. Mm-hmm. And you know, like the biggest crime is that one, it's boring, and two, you don't even really get enough of like Screaming Mad George's special effects. How much is it? Like not much. A penis. Yeah, uh, I had forgotten about the reanimated penis, um, which fights with a rat in silhouette rat. At, at the yeah. end at the end credits. Yeah, um, I guess you do have some, especially after Speedball injects himself with too much reagent, and then he becomes like basically kind of like exploded talking corpse thing. Uh, which, haha, I guess that's funny. But yeah, the, at least the first one kind of felt like it was building up towards the climax that it ultimately has. Whereas this one, I don't know. I, I guess there's there's a conflict between west and this other uh inmate who had a, a, an emotional connection with this rat that west is experimenting on and it, it's like the once again i said the only element that it really adds to this mythology if you want to call it that is this idea of the nanoplasma but with that if you take the reagent and you take herbert west out of it this movie doesn't become any different at all no not at all you you basically could i mean swap herbert west out for just some other crazy scientist guy and it basically just becomes the same movie or even remove him entirely or you have the doctor who wants to go to this prison because it's been rumored that there are experiments going on on inmates with the which the journalist is trying to investigate and so that's why the doctor goes there you this doesn't have to be 
anything to do with Herbert West. This doesn't have to have anything to do with H.P. Lovecraft. And the fact that it does kind of, um, you know, latch itself onto that is just like, okay, you're a bad film and you're just doing yourself a disservice. You're doing everyone a disservice by connecting yourself to this world. Yeah, I mean, one of the funniest things about this film, but not even about the film, and it's not even in the film, which still confuses me more, on the DVD that came out, one of the special features was a music video. Okay? And the music video was by a Dr. Reanimator. And the song was called Move Your Dead Bones. And it's basically like a German dance song. I don't think in a million years H.P. Lovecraft would have imagined that not only would would these his stories be changed, you know, like formed into moving pictures, which were around when he was around. So it's not like it's some even weirder concept. But right. not only that, you would have sequels to his films, to, to his stories. So it's like, OK, that's another thing. How the hell would that even happen? And you would have one of the worst music videos you'll ever watch in your entire life. Somehow from a one of the worst films that's ever come out from one of the, like one of his you know again this is not this is not lovecraft at all this is far so far away from anything he ever intended and again and it's boring mm-hmm. and like you said this is a time that you wish herbert west was featured more in it yeah, we, and it's it's, a, it's strange because once again we almost kind of have the Herbert West, which sort of makes the most sense in the sense of he's he's just there, he's not changing, right. he's doing his thing as everyone else is kind of running around in this rat race. And when there is a scene where they're injecting the the rat nanoplasma into, I, I, I forget what? if it's the warden or the reporter, but um, you know uh, we have uh, Doctor Howard Phillips who is trying to fight with him against it, and he's basically saying something like, "Don't you know it, it's you know or, or no it's." It's when he's putting the warden's nanoplasma oh. into the journalist to kind of yes. keep her, you know, to kind of keep her alive. And Wes says, what, you didn't mind when it was rat to rat? What difference does it make if it's human to human? Which is basically the essence of the Herbert oh, yeah. West character. Of like, it's just, who cares? Like, we're just reanimated flesh bags, basically. So it's like, in a way, this is more faithful of a, of a, of a Herbert West character than the uh, previous two films. But also... The film surrounding him is so atrocious and needless, and then, of course, ends with opening the possibility that it could go on because Herbert West lives and gets to get out of the prison by pretending he's Howard Phillips and just uh, as though it's like, oh, maybe to be continued, but like, please, God, don't let this be continued. No, I mean, funny enough, it's been, I don't know, I don't know if it's directly from this movie, but it's. It has been continued in comic book form. Oh, like this, and and they've even made, which was a fun comic book, um, Herbert West versus um, Ash. <laughs> that's where they've gone with it, you know. Okay, but that's fine. But that's mm-hmm. fine. And and those are just more like you know fun comic book. You know, that I could at least like and go. Okay, you had an artist, you had a writer, you put it together, and it's like a fun mashup. You go, okay, cool. But this is like. You have a director that knew that knows the product, mm-hmm. and he makes a film so far away from what the first one was, and even far away from the second one. Mm-hmm. And like it, like I said, like it's weird because it, you know you have boring characters, and weird enough that I wish Bruce Abbott would have come back too. Like, like, like even though he's not like the best character, but Dan, at least I don't know, like. The new character was basically Dan Light. You're, you're just yeah, like you're you're just sort of um, it's so atrocious that you're we're getting nostalgic for something which was bad to begin with, and it's just sort right. of please give me something that can connect me to what what was because what you're offering me right now is so bad. It's so bad, and, and just yeah, and, and I guess even the fact that it was, and I, I wondered because it seemed like the budget went up for Bride of Reanimator, and it seemed like it went down for Beyond. Because even with the uncensored version, or, or at least the not the not TV edit sci-fi channel version, it still kind of seems like this is made really on the cheap. Because you don't see a lot of, as you said, uh, Screaming Mad George's effects, um, and there's like there's weird montages that don't make a lot of sense. And of it's just it, it seems like it's it's a step at least at least a step backwards in kind of every single regard. And of course, it wouldn't be 
um, a horror movie if we didn't have just a needless uh, tearing open of some women's clothing just because we needed to have breasts in this. Oh, right, the nurse. Yeah, with that, with that one character that's like a, a a religious freak. Moses, yeah. But I mean, it is just. I mean, this film is a a disappointment on so many levels, and just once again, it's got nothing to do with Lovecraft. It's got. It doesn't even have to have anything to do with Herbert West. He's just kind of right. sandwiched in there, and it's just a very boring film which thinks that which thinks that what we want at the end of the day is a sequence in which a reanimated penis is fighting a rat and if you don't see anything wrong with what i've just described to you or you think that's cool then i don't want to yuck your yum but i probably also uh don't really want to know you either <laughs> i mean like i might be okay with that but at the same time we probably don't have the same taste in movies at all. <laughs> like, not one bit. Because, like, there has, you know, it's a weird concept, but there has to be someone out there that likes this one the most. There has to be. I mean, like, mm. right? Like, I, I mean, I'm not saying that would make sense, but there has to be someone. Like, I, I, I implore, if there is a listener out there that does like this one more, please tell me why. Yeah. Like, I need to know. Yeah. I need to know what I'm not seeing. Hey, it's it's and once again, it's easy to reach us movies of madness at gmail dot com. I would. I, OK, I was about to say I would love to see this. I'm skeptical and I'm hesitant to read a defense of this film. But if you have one, by all means, please um, reach out. But I think um, I don't know about you, James. I think that's just about all the conversation that um, that beyond reanimator <laughs> warrants. I agree. Um, if here's a question for you. If there were actually to be a fourth installment that would come out, who would you like to see direct it? Yeah, I, th I think we'll put that question out there on Twitter also. But that that is a good that is a good question. Who would you want to see directed? And even better, nothing against Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs, but let's just say you had a new person play Herbert West. Mm -hmm. Who would you want to see play Herbert West? Like, who would be a good actor now? Mm-hmm. That would be like, you know, doesn't have to be super young, but like someone that could like someone that is like maybe the essence of that character. Someone that has that same kind of uh, that can go for that personality of like, I'm just doing it for the science. And, and more importantly, too, someone that has that can play up the basically being emotionless of not right. being robotic, but just like but not caring, but having more investment in the results of your experiment versus how this is going to affect other people, basically. Exactly. Uh, that, that is, I mean, hell, we're almost talking like if it was like a remake, you know what I mean? Like, or a reboot, quote yeah. unquote. Now that, that's the term now that they like to use, reboot. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I would, not, um, I would not be opposed to a more uh, faithful adaptation of, uh, of Reanimator being released. I'm not necessarily saying that it's uh, that it's something I want to see, but I think it can be done once again, hearkening back to our conversation in the last episode. I think that it can be done in a way which is still kind of darkly comic, but also adhering a lot more to the tone and the emotion of like, hey, life is meaningless, and that's a really scary thing. Maybe one day, maybe one day. Maybe, we'll see. Um, or if there's any young aspiring filmmakers out there... Uh, here it's all in the public domain so you can you are allowed to to write a script based on this if you want so um of course as i said you can reach us at moviesofmadness.com not moviesofmadness.com moviesofmadness at gmail.com this this movie sucked my brain right out of me just right straight out of me um you can reach us at twitter at cast cthulhu um that is once again c-t-h-u-l-h-u um you can reach us individually as well i am uh, nolan fixes teeth on twitter I'm fistful of media on there, and so now this is um this episode is coming out shortly before Halloween. So of course we also want to wish everyone a happy and safe and wonderful Halloween. Uh, James, do you have any any plans or any traditions that you typically do for? Or are you just gonna be working this year? No, actually I took off. Okay. I because Halloween is my my holiday. That's mm -hmm. that's my Christmas. That's <laughs> my Thanksgiving. Whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, this year probably I'm not sure when. I'm not even sure if we're going to do it on Halloween, but I know I'm probably going to be going to a party with my girlfriend at a funeral home Oh, with a bunch of funeral directors, which means it'll probably be one of the weirder parties I've ever gone to, but probably one of the more fun, mm -hmm. you know, 
because they they really like their drinks and their weed. So <laughs> that is that is weirdly on brand for you. <laughs> that, weird enough, it is. <laughs> um, I I don't have any plans specifically for Halloween itself. What I try and do every year is. I've been doing this for years and years. I, I watched the first two Halloweens, John Carpenter, you know, the first one, and then uh, Nick Rosenthal is the second one. Not sure if it'll happen this year because I was, um, last year was going through the Halloween series with my then-girlfriend, now-fiancé. This year she has requested that we work our way through the Friday the 13th franchise. Okay. Um, so we'll see how that oh. goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. And uh, it'll we'll have done it by the time this episode um, goes live, but... Um, as of this recording, we are going to a, a Halloween murder mystery on October 19th. But of course, we will have yes. done that by the time this episode goes live. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm anxious and, and excited about that. But in terms of things to be anxious and excited about, what are we talking about next time? Well, we've been trying to come up with an idea yeah. of what to do. Um, I think we came up with one, right? Yeah, I think, uh, I think next time we, we were talking about there's this, there's this film from 2007 called Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know if it's a direct adaptation of The Call of Cthulhu. It might be one of those things like, um, you know, the film Dagon is not actually based on the short story Dagon. It's actually more right. from The Shadow Over Innsmouth, and they called it Dagon. But um, I'll, I'll read the summary to you all um, from IMDb. A Seattle history professor drawn back to his estranged family on the Oregon coast to execute his late mother's estate is reacquainted with his best friend from childhood with whom he has a long-awaited tryst. Caught in an accelerating series of events, he discovers aspects of his father's New Age cult which take on a dangerous and apocalyptic significance. Now, it certainly seems like that that sounds a bit more like the summary of The Shadow Over Innsmouth, basically. It does. It does. And I think it, that it definitely does sound more like that. So yeah. maybe that's what it is, you know? And um, also, from what I understand, as of this recording, neither James nor I have seen it. But from what we understand, there's a uh, the main character is a homosexual in Cthulhu, which I think is incredibly interesting because that's something that was, one, sexuality, once again, wasn't really a thing in Lovecraft's world, but also, as we talked about in the pilot episode, what can, you know, cultures or, or lifestyles outside of who Lovecraft was and what he attended, what do they bring to his material? What do they see in it? But also, hey, Lovecraft was married at one point, but um, what was his thing? Because he was in a, a marriage to a woman that was not entirely loveless but also not passionate so like what what was what does sexuality look like in in in, in the life and the world of hp lovecraft basically we'll see so so that'll be um yeah so thanks for uh listening to this and once again a, a, a happy and healthy halloween um to everyone we hope um next time we'll be talking about cthulhu from 2007 but in the meantime we'll be waiting and dreaming with dead cthulhu at his house in Rilia. Really, uh, 